I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. How many of you want to just go back into another hour or so of worship? Oh, man. Well, put your hands out in front of you. If you're visiting, if you're new, buckle up, enjoy the ride. It's going to go somewhere fun. Just close your eyes for a minute. His presence is here. It's tangible. It's felt. It's amazing because what I'm speaking on tonight is the presence and the glory. And there's something about his presence. But the glory is the manifestation of his presence. So Father, we just invite more of your glory tonight. God, we love your presence, but we want more of your glory tonight, God. Just with your own words, and even if you don't understand what you're saying, something in your spirit does. So just begin to invite more of his glory. Say, come, Holy Spirit, more of your glory. More of your glory. We sometimes allow God to do what we're expecting instead of letting him surprise us with his glorious nature. So, Father, right now, I break off expectations in this room tonight, and I speak for an expectancy of your glory to come and change and manifest all through our lives tonight, God. Reveal things to us, God. Your glory reveals your nature in a manifest way. So, God, reveal yourself to us tonight. More of your glory, Lord. Thank you, God. Wow. Thank you, Father. If you're feeling the presence of God on you, just go on the mission field and touch your neighbor. Release it, release it over there. <laughs> Oh, man. Wow, your hands are hot through my shoes. Hallelujah. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> uh. God, break our comfort zones tonight. <laughs> wow. Father, destroy every part of a box that I've tried to put you in. Make me uncomfortably open to receive everything you have tonight. Jeff Collins, in worship tonight, 
you walked in front of me twice. And when you walked by the second time, I felt like it was someone else that walked by me, which I had to look up to make sure it was you. But I feel like God is actually about to open up new places that God is calling you to, that you have been so faithful to steward everything he's put in front of you. And you have, you have to turn away more invitations than you can accept because of what God's done through your life. But there are new invitations coming that are areas that God wants to actually breathe through you to release something that they have been lacking. So, Father, I just thank you for Jeff, and I bless these new places. I pray the favor of the Lord is on them. And, God, I pray that there comes wisdom with the invitation so Jeff knows what to say yes to, what to say no, no to, God. And that all provision necessary to go and to come, blessed and highly favored, goes with these invitations. Jesus' name. you father thank you father thank you father all right you guys can be seated who thank you father second <clears throat> corinthians 3 but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Wow. Father, I pray that tonight you go past anything that I could have prepared, that you go past anything people came hoping to receive, that you go past all of those things, God, and that you show yourself fresh and new. God, I pray for life-changing encounters tonight, not just good feelings, not just good fellowship, but something that changes the course of our lives to be more aligned with the call and promises that you've placed over our lives. Thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you for your glory tonight. In Jesus' name. I'm going to warn people now, the glory of God is going to touch people tonight and there are going to be outbursts probably happening and it's okay. I struggled with this when I first got saved and went to church. It was distracting and it was hard for me to believe and receive that that could be God the way somebody would get encountered. And God humbled me and corrected me multiple times. So, Father, I break off distraction tonight, and I pray that there is nothing allowed in this place to keep us from seeing and receiving the fullness of what you want for us tonight. In Jesus' name. I'm hoping I get through some of this. There is no end, no limit. No constraint to his presence and his glory.
it's our boxes that we create and our awareness of who and where he is that actually inhibits us from seeing the fullness of who he is and where he is at all times. He's in your day-to-day. He's in your quiet times. He's in your public times. He's in your sleep. He's at your job. He's in your relationships. He's in your arguments. He's in your failures. He's in your loss. He's not the source of those things, but he's there in the midst of those things. Think about this. <laughs> this, isn't, this is all bonus. God, in everything that he is, has the heavens as his residence but yet he chooses to live in you and I. What does that say about our value and our worth if the God of all creation wants to be inside you? I don't know about you, but I think when I look inside sometimes, this doesn't seem like the best place to live but yet he chooses it because he thinks it's perfect. Perfection is something that messes with a lot of us. When you hear the word perfect, you immediately think of what you can perform to achieve. He sees an identity placed. Okay. Kind of want to talk about and this isn't an extensive list. I mean, these are just a few thoughts I've had. Accessing the presence and glory of God. We talk about the presence. We talk about the glory. And more often than not, I talk to people like, I've never felt it. I've never seen it. I've never encountered it. How do I do it? How many of you have thought that at one point or another? Like, how do I actually access the presence and glory of God? Four of you, I'm going to change my message. We don't even need to talk about this. I feel I've been blessed to have some of the craziest encounters with the Lord. And I still will have those thoughts of, God, I just need your presence. Like, I feel like it's not there. It's lacking. I feel like I can't get to where I want to be. I relive the glory days of when I had the glory, and then I think back like, oh, I wish it were there. Why do I wish it were when it is? So how do we access the presence and the glory of God? John 14, 12, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. When you live a life like Jesus and do what he's doing, you bring glory to God. Your life reflecting and being an image of Christ on earth brings glory to the Lord. You guys okay? You guys are quiet. 
some of you. <laughs> so I just want to go through a few things really quick. And I want you to actually position, your, position yourself tonight on listening and do any of these trigger something in me that make me feel like I'm either not doing them well, I don't want to do them well, or I've been told this before and I don't believe it. We need a heart to serve. Okay, that's everybody. Sorry. We need self-discipline. We need to live a life of thankfulness. We need to have a kingdom focus. And we need to hunger for God's presence and the supernatural. Serving is where you learn to live out your royal identity. Does everyone here know that you are royalty? You are not peasants. You're not orphans. You're not forgotten. You're not misplaced. You're not lacking. You are royalty in the kingdom of God, co-heirs with Jesus. Do you know this? First Peter. But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. See, when you're royalty, you lead like a servant and you serve with a royal mindset. Some people think it's beneath them to serve. Once you begin to go down the road, if you are better than what you've been called to do, you, you align yourself with the same thought that Lucifer had in heaven is, I am equal to or above God himself. Serving is one of the greatest callings in our lives. We shouldn't wait for some mysterious call of God. Some of us are just waiting. Oh, I know he's going to call me. He did. Somebody go take out the trash. Serving kids. Parking lots out there. You got orphans and widows that need help. This city, we, we just mentioned we're doing city service. Serve your city. Serve your church. Serve your neighbor. You know, the one that irritates you, that you don't like, serve them. Love them. Show them who Jesus is, not what religion looks like. When God asks more of you, it's because he sees more in you. Matthew 20. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, does this mean you shouldn't have goals to achieve things? No. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't want to be the best version of who you can be. But when you're becoming best that you think you should be, put someone else down or exclude someone else from seeing and encountering the glory of God, you've now entered into the wrong place. Yeah. 
You can be first and still show the heart of God to everyone around you. And the first two are the hardest two, serving and discipline. And I could probably spend most of my life talking about those two. One I'm really good at, one I'm getting better at. I'll let you figure out. We need discipline. Discipline is actually the ability to choose what we want for the future instead of what we want right now. Doing and making, making choices and doing things today that you don't necessarily want to do because you actually see what's going to happen in the future. Discipline is not allowing our cravings to outpace our callings. Some of you have been called to something, but your cravings are limiting you from stepping forward. It's funny how sometimes, especially in church, we have this concept that we don't actually need to be disciplined, we just need to be anointed. I've got the anointing of the Lord. Everything I do must be okay. <laughs> Hate to say it, the Lord's not the only one that'll bless you in your life, but one of them has eternal, la uh, eternal blessing. One of them has a temporary blessing. See, when the enemy came to tempt Jesus, he offered him everything he was already given, but he offered it him in a way that would inhibit him from becoming who he was supposed to be. So you will be offered blessing from the enemy as long as you forsake your calling and forsake your father. Discipline is reading your Bible. Daily. I'm not going to ask you. I saw about 40 faces going, don't ask. I'll have to lie and say I do it. <laughs> Discipline is praying daily. And it's not the vending machine prayer. God, I need. God, I need. It's the God you are. <sighs> God, I'm thankful for you. God, I exalt you. God, you are so good. You have a purpose and a plan. God, I surrender myself to you. It's praying for your brothers and sisters. It's praying for God's presence and spirit to reign over your home. Your work, your church, your city, your nation. It's to pray for the leaders that you don't agree with. Sometimes we mistake cursing for prayer. God fix them. They're so messed up. No, God encounter them. 
because you love them. And they're just lacking an encounter with you right now. Praying is a discipline and it's a pleasure. Sometimes when we do things infrequently, they feel like work. But then when you begin to do them frequently, they feel like relationship. Discipline in worship. And I don't just mean what we did here. This is amazing. And we are blessed to be able to do this in a country that allows it, in a church that just goes after it, with people beside us that are hungry to glorify the name of the Lord. But that's not all of what worship is. Worship is how you live your life. Is your life singing a, a, a hymn to the Lord? Is your life an incense that's pleasing to the nostrils of the Lord? Does your life represent something that feels like it's actually a chorus going on in a world that's so rattled? And it's not just doing it publicly. The Bible's pretty clear about people that do things just on the street corners, just publicly. They're doing it for the acknowledgement of man, not for the surrender to God. See, what you do in your secret place actually prepares you for your public promotions. Discipline when no one's watching is really discipline. Sometimes discipline when everyone's watching is just performance. You're becoming a really good actor. We need to live a life of thankfulness. Thankfulness is an invitation for increase in the kingdom of God. What you give thanks for increases in your life. First Thessalonians 6 or 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, unless it's hard and it doesn't feel good. Sorry, those, the, no, that's... See, it's funny how we sometimes, we love sermons. We love stories of great faith and trust in God. We just don't like to be put in positions where we have to exercise those things. We get inspired by good stories and faith. But, but God, why, why am I going through this? Why have you forsaken me? Or what's worse is, oh, well, the enemy's just doing his thing. no. Maybe God's actually allowing you to walk through something so that you can grow and keep a heart of thankfulness in the midst. Ooh, I, okay. I want to hit that. Some people are complaining to God and calling it intercession. Hmm. Okay, I'm not going to go there. I really want to... It's impossible to complain when you're more aware of the goodness of God than the circumstances you're in. If your awareness is so much on the glory and nature and goodness of God, you actually can't complain. So if you find yourself complaining, you have to get out of it and recognize, oh, I'm looking here more than here. 
I'm allowing this to define this. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many of you have ever felt confused ever in your life? I'm testing to see if your arms work. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're dealing with confusion, turn up your thankfulness. Turn up your awareness to God and his presence and confusion has to leave. See, we sometimes get caught in this fog of like, I just don't know what to do. Great, let that be the last time you say that and say, God, I'm so thankful that you know everything about my life. You have a plan and a purpose, and I am surrendering every thought, every action, every decision I have to line up with what you've called in my life. Oh, God, I love your presence. I am aware of your glory. Who? What was I confused about? Wait, is that confusing? Sorry. <sighs> Thankfulness and joy go hand in hand. How many of you would like an increase of joy in your life? Some of you. Okay. The rest of you, just pray for us because you're full of, you're, you must be full of it. <clears throat> um, I meant Joy. I didn't mean joy. I repent, Lord. I lied. I didn't mean joy. <laughs> Thankfulness is a key for allowing joy to be internal instead of external. See, happiness is a result of joy, but it's not exclusive. You don't have to feel happy to be filled with joy. Some people mistake that and they think that the way you feel is actually where you are. Joy is an internal thing, and if treasured and given thanks, it will become an external expression for those around you to be impacted by the nature and glory of God in you. It removes circumstances, experience, and even other people's influence from having control over your joy. Thankfulness. Why don't we stop right here? Every person in this room, regardless of what you're going through right now or not, every person in this room, actually, let's deal with something else. Is anyone in here not a believer in Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and Savior? Don't be embarrassed if that's true. I was there in a church and I would have raised my hand because I wasn't a believer. Is anyone here not surrendered their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So everyone in here is saved. So everyone in here has something to be thankful for. Every one of you. So let's not just listen to something. Why don't everybody stand up and just begin to proclaim what you're thankful for to the Lord. Everybody, just let your voice be loud. Say what you're thankful for.
and it can't be, it may be more than one thing, but just proclaim, what are you thankful for? God, I am so thankful for your presence. God, I'm thankful for your salvation. God, I'm thankful that you pulled me out of darkness, Lord. God, I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my children, God. I'm thankful for the family that you've given me. Lord, I'm thankful for the continuous outpouring of your love, even when I don't feel I deserve it, God. Thank you for everything that you do and all that you are, God. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Begin to thank him for his goodness. Everybody, just join in together. Thank him for his goodness. Begin to thank God for the goodness in your life, for the goodness in others' lives, for the outpouring of his goodness. So who feels like complaining? Doesn't work like that. <laughs> How many of you begin to actually feel something on you? Like tangibly. And I want you to really be aware of this. When you started giving thanks, how many of you actually felt something? It could be weight. It could be heat. It could be cool. If it was your neighbor, don't raise your hand. If, if you felt something that was probably not normal, how many of you felt something? That's the glory of the Lord. His presence is here. His glory manifests his presence. So when you begin to give thanks and press into things and you feel something, you're actually encountering the glory of the Lord. Ooh. Let's, do that. Let's, let's just do that again. I want more of his glory. Just begin to raise up thankfulness again. Thankfulness, thank him for his goodness. If you're not using your mouth right now, you're allowing someone else to step into your blessing. Use your mouth and exercise the gift. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So use your mouth to create life over yourself right now. God, I just thank you for your goodness, Lord. You are so good, Lord. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy to be exalted, God. You are good. You have always been good. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your favor, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Ooh. As you're saying it, become aware if there's anything in the room that you're feeling, the weight, the wind, the heat, the cool, the presence, the tingling, whatever. It comes in so many different ways. I don't like to define how you can feel them because it's imagine, unimaginable how he could actually come. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we need a kingdom focus. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom. You know, if every one of us walked out of here tonight just doing that, our entire world would change. And I don't mean your world. I mean our world would change. It just, if just this room, just this room, were to truly seek the kingdom of God first and foremost above all things, we could actually change this planet. Because it impacts and changes and affects the people around you. When someone is truly sold out for anything, they're an inspiration. It's a, it's a psychological fact, but it's just a fact. 
if you meet somebody that is 100% passionate about anything and you meet them, you're like, wow, it's inspiring. It's attractive. If you hate what they love, it may not be attractive. But it is almost humbling when you see someone sold out for something with all that they are. Think about if everyone in this room walked out of this place with no agenda outside of the kingdom first. Mm. See, until God within you is enough, nothing else will ever be enough. Until God within you is enough, nothing else will ever be enough. We can't regret where we are, but remember where we're going with freedom that comes when we stop asking the questions of what, when, and how. We need to actually focus on who we're doing life with. We get so caught up sometimes that, God, what do I do? God, how do I do this? When do I do this? Instead of, God, I'm so thankful I get to do this with you. Huh. You can be seated, you can stand, you can float up on the ceiling, whatever you want to do. Y'all are laughing. I'm going to be that person someday. I'm going to. I've read my Bible. You can do all kinds of crazy things that we sometimes allow the new age and movies and people to make you think are weird and, oh, that's not God. Yeah, it is. Read your Bible. I'm going to walk through walls. I'm going to walk on water. I've tried. I've tried to walk on water. I've gotten wet a lot. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I'm exercising my faith to try. If I never do it, I'll die trying. See, when I read this, to me, this is like, oh, this is what I'm allowed to do? Awesome. I'm going to try it. Have you guys read some of the stuff that Jesus did? It's freaky. How many of you ever spit in somebody's eyes? I have. Even you read some of the stories about some of the old prophets and things. To me, anything that was done to glorify God and to see him manifest and true, I've tried or I will try. Even the weird things, really, really weird things. I only want to mention some of them because they scare people. But go ahead and just, just start in Genesis and, and you, can, you can end right before Revelation. And then just read that the next day. Um, I, I want to try all of it. Anybody, anybody want to go on that ride with me? There's a few crazy people. Oh, man. Kingdom focus means trusting in, guard, in God regardless of the situation. Trust, trust, trust. I trust you, Lord. How many of you actually have trouble trusting the Lord? You may have faith, but trust is difficult. Because faith is the hope for. Trust is thinking it actually will happen. <laughs> that he's actually good enough to do what he says he would do. 
And then we sometimes say, well, I want this. I'm trusting in the Lord. It doesn't happen. And then we say he's untrustworthy, but it's actually because what you were wanting was stupid. <laughs> Sorry, that was rude. It wasn't quite the Lord's will. See, if we actually have a kingdom focus, the desires of our heart line up with him. Whereas if you don't have a kingdom focus, the desires of your heart line up with the cravings of your day. See, society will dictate what you desire if you're not focused on him first. Because it creates what's acceptable, what's valuable, what's acceptable or accessible, and what's actually honored. Your society will create that. If you don't have a God focus, you will begin to crave and desire the things of the world. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What's the first part? Delight yourself in the Lord. Because when you delight in the Lord and have a kingdom focus, you are no longer craving or asking for the things of this world. You're only seeking after the things of God, and he is always willing to give you those things. Some of us have been praying prayers for a long time. Oh God, I've been contending this for years. Now, and I'm not saying all things. Please hear me. I don't, I don't want to offend people because there are people that may have an illness and you've been contending after that for years. I don't want to say that. Please, please understand what I'm saying. It's the things that you want to accomplish, the things that, that bless you that you've been asking for for years. God, I just... I really want this job. I'm not working right now because I'm waiting for God to give me this job. Yeah, some of you are laughing because you realize how funny that sounds. I'm just not going to work because I'm going to wait for the Lord to give me this job. It's really on my heart. Why don't you do what you should do and work? Oh, God, I just, ooh, I know that girl. That's my wife. All the teenagers are like, don't do that, man. That's rude. I know he's the one. No, he's not. He might be. But if you're praying, oh, God, change their heart, you're not praying under his anointing. Your face will always reflect the atmosphere you're most aware of. You will reflect the atmosphere you're aware of. How many of you ever heard the terms, oh, you wear your emotions on your sleeve? I'm that guy, just so you all know. Anybody that knows me knows if I'm not doing well, everyone knows it. If I'm doing really well, everyone knows it. <laughs> People that know me are like, hey, man. But that's actually all of us, spiritually. Your face will reflect the atmosphere you're most aware of. So what culture or atmosphere are you al allowing to occupy your gaze? Is heaven what's occupying your gaze? Or is society, culture, relationships, job, situations, circumstances? What's got your attention 
and what are you reflecting? The challenge is that many believers will put their attention on the same things that unbelievers do and then wonder why the atmosphere around them isn't changing. We got a whole bunch of Christians. It should be a great environment. No, because they're all looking around like everyone else. Most of you have probably heard this analogy, but it's a good one, so I'm going to say it. You're called to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Do you understand the difference? Thermometer gauges what the temperature is. A thermostat controls the temperature. You have to, in every environment you're in, have your focus and your gaze so fixed on heaven that everything around you becomes attracted to heaven. How many of you ever walked, like, if you walked into a room right now and everybody's like, you'd look. You're not going to walk in and go, I'm not looking. Not going to do it. You'd peek. So just think about what your life represents if what you're doing is looking at, oh, God, this sucks. This is hard. Man, my boss is horrible. Man, they don't pay us enough. Man, this relationship is horrible. That person did me wrong. Did you hear about what they did? Like, when you start focusing on everything around you, guess what everyone else focuses on? Everything around you. But in the midst of the storm, what did Jesus focus on? Peace. Why couldn't the disciples have peace? Because they were focused on the storm. And he's like, I'm not going to focus on this. He just looked up to his father where there was complete peace and peace came. When Peter stepped out on the water, when he was looking at Jesus, he was fine. He was walking on water. As soon as he looked down at the waves and the water that he was on, the circumstances, he began to sink. It's actually very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Kingdom focus. One of my favorite verses, I've, I've preached on just this verse, but number six, 24 through 26, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his faith, actually, everybody stand up. I feel, as soon as I started reading it, I feel something on this right now. I want you to actually, because our human nature is very easily distracted, I want you to close your eyes and here's something, um, don't open your eyes real quick. I want to address something. A lot of times people will come up for prayer and they come up and they're, oh, I need prayer. There are times for humility. There are times for reverence. There are times for bowing and being prostrate before the Lord. But so many times we come to the Lord with this sense of insignificance and unworthiness. It's like, oh, I'm so messed up. I just hope God fixes me. It's like, as a father, if one of my children has made a mistake, I don't want them to come up to me with their head down. I want them to look me in the eyes. Why? Because I want them to see how much I see in them. I love them. They're my daughter. Yeah, the circumstances may be bad and I may have to deal with it, but who they are doesn't change. But if they come to me with their head down, I don't get to show them what I'm looking at. You come to the Lord with your head down, you have no idea what he's looking at. And you may believe that he's looking over there at that person because their prayer is more needy than yours. We're come to God and just be like, 
my face up towards my father because he loves me. He wants me to see his gaze. He wants me to know what he's looking at. He wants me to hear his thoughts, hear his voice, see what he's seeing, do what he's doing. So just close your eyes. Put your faces up to the father right now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, I bless every person in this place right now. I pray that the love that can only come from the Father begin to just wash over us right now, God. I pray for an outpouring of your love in this place right now. Begin to just minister to people in this place. Jesus. God's plan for every one of us is that we would carry the atmosphere and culture of heaven and that our countenance would reflect his face. You can stand, you can sit wherever you want to be. If you stand, it's fine. But we need to hunger. I'm going to wrap this up soon. We can hunger for God's presence and the supernatural. See, what's supernatural to us is very natural to God. You can't invite a supernatural God to come and then be skeptical about what happens when he shows up. See, the glory of God, the supernatural outpouring manifest presence of God is in so many areas of our life. How many of you read the word of God? His fullness is in the word. His presence is in the word. His glory is in the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, that was word isn't a past tense. It's a forever tense. See, Bible study without Bible experience is pretty pointless. If you're reading your Bible and it actually isn't coming alive and doing something in your life, you're actually reading text instead of actually engaging with the author. It's abnormal for a Christian not to have an appetite for the impossibilities of God. See, once you became a Christian, you were no longer human. You're superhuman. Doesn't mean you get Marvel powers. But it means you have the infinite resources and access to heaven. It's been written into our spiritual DNA to hunger for the impossibilities of God and for everything around us to bow to the name of Jesus. See, we sometimes get so caught up in what's going on, we forget we have the authority to make everything submit to his name. presence of God. So you can actually be in the presence of God and never be changed. Some of you are like, that doesn't feel right. How many of you have sat in this room in the presence of someone else and never gotten to know their name and never actually experienced them? You have no idea who they are, what they do. You can be in the presence of something and not actually encounter it. But the glory of God is the manifest presence of that presence. We invite the presence. We know it's here. We invite the increase. 
But I want us to start going after the glory of Lord, the thing that changes, encounters, redeems, restores, readjusts, realigns. You know, the glory of God will actually realign you to remember and actually reflect on the awe of God. Because the glory of God brings a level of his holiness that you can live in. Because the Bible is pretty clear that there are points when if you were to see his face and see his glory, you would not be able to live. But asking for the glory of the Lord actually brings a measure of his presence that you can live in and see and recognize the awe of who he is. It realigns you. Definition of glory. Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word, there's implied meanings of words like importance or weight, deference, heaviness, respect, honor, majesty. In Greek, meanings like renowned or glory. It's actually related to the word hear, like what others hear about you. It's almost like there's a reputation that's behind the word glory. Because when his glory shows up, people hear and see what they know of. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.